it's always a great privilege to be able to meet other brethren in different places. It's like I always say, and I always believe, that if you are a member of the Lord's Church, you have family all over the world. And it is a great opportunity for me to be able to speak here in this, my family in Carmen. And uh, it is always a great privilege to be able to preach the Word of God. When I started, uh, I was reminded of how long I have been preaching. I was asked uh, by Dale, I believe, how long have I been preaching? And uh, I, I thought about it. And I started preaching. Uh, the first sermon that I did was when I was 16 years old. I was in the Philippines. And uh, I started preaching when I went to the school in Memphis, 1998. That's how long I have been preaching. And uh, I haven't thought about that because as a Christian, we need to always not preach in front of many people, but also we preach by how we act by how we uh, live our lives here on earth. That's how we preach. And that is how people see us. That's how our neighbors see us. That is how our classmates see us. That is how our co-workers see us. And most especially, that's how our family sees us. And having that privilege of being in this uh, in this way of preaching, I have always looked at the blessings that God has for me. I have three wonderful children. We have three wonderful children. And I have a wife that is always helping out on ways that I can improve myself, not just to other people, but for me. And the, these blessings come to me, and I, I look at them, and one of our hymns all tells us that count your many blessings name them one by one and this is how we will we should see ourselves being blessed to be able to know how can i share this blessing to others how can i let others be blessed as well and that is why i wanted for us to focus on this topic blessing it is a great blessing for me to be able to be speaking with you and also have this opportunity given to me by uh, the elders of the, this co great congregation. Also appreciating the welcoming of this great congregation for me to be able to speak with you uh, here in uh, Carmen. Uh, I'm not that good with, with names, I'm going to tell you. It's easy for you because you only need to remember one name. But for me, I, I have a lot of names that will be thrown at me this day. Please bear with me. Okay? So, but I would like for, for, uh, would like for you to look at, see, uh, and uh, I have to open it first. Turn it on. Okay, this is my family. And uh, well, that's me in the, the middle there. Uh, that was me. And uh, just like I told uh, Wayne, and uh, Dennis, last night, that uh, I'm, we are one of those Filipino families that uh, have a special focus on one letter and will just use that letter for the rest of the family. I'm one of those family. So 
my, my wife is Evangeline, and uh, she goes by Vanji as well. So uh, just like I've told many people, if you have a wife that is named Evangeline, you have to preach. <laughs> and, uh, well, I, I hope that's not it. But uh, I like to preach, and uh, our firstborn is Edison. Uh, Eddie's son, so Edward's son, so I, that's how we, we named him. Easy to understand. So I told you I'm not good with names. Uh, so I'll have to remember my son's name. And uh, my, our second child is Eunice, and our youngest is Erin. So our, our uh, son is 21, and uh, Eunice will be 18 on the 30th of this month, and Erin uh, is 16. So it is a great blessing for, for us to be able to have a great family. And uh, we are, uh, my wife and I are always thankful for God and that we extend this family all over the world. Uh, we have the privilege of being blessed with places where we have been uh, and be able to uh, preach and uh, be able to uh, work for the cause of Christ. So these blessings, we are all blessed and in many ways than one. And if we look back on the things that we have, and uh, we will be reminded of the blessings that we have, of what we have before and what we have now, than better than what we have before, and in the future as well, we will be looking back and telling us, telling ourselves the blessings that we have. Christians are blessed. Sometimes Christians will acknowledge it, that they are blessed, and that they are receiving these things. And some Christians, sadly, do not think that way. Some Christians will, will think that, well, I, have, I don't have what they have. I'm not that blessed. I don't have the opportunities that they have. I'm not blessed. And some Christians, sad to say, will not acknowledge the blessings that they have. But we need to always understand that. And the Israelites have been blessed many, many, many times. But sadly, they always find a way to anger God. And those blessings have been taken away from them. They have been in captivity in Egypt. God looked out after them and brought them into the, the land that God has promised Abraham. This is the promised land. And then all these blessings they have received. And as sure as always, they find a way to anger God. And then look at, we will look at how, uh, as, as a book of Ezra, we will look at how first, how they got into captivity. See, the two kingdoms, the divided kingdoms, the northern kingdom or what we call Israel, and then the southern kingdom, which we, call, we like to call Judah. The northern kingdom was, uh, taken by, uh, was taken by the Assyrians in about 721 BC, 722 BC, 721. And they were taken captive by the Assyrians. And then in uh, about uh, the, the, the southern part was taken, they have three carrying aways, as we can say. 
the first one was 606 BC, and this was part where Daniel was taken by Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. And 596 BC, this was the time of uh, uh, Ezekiel, and they were a different part of uh, Babylon. And then the five, 586 BC, where the temple was destroyed. So those are the three carrying aways. And uh, the, the prophets during this time were, as I have mentioned, uh, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. Jeremiah stayed in the land. Because what they do before, when they conquer a nation, they will leave the 90% the, 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 the most base people or the poorest people there. And then they will take the 10% into their own countries. So they will, and then uh, other nations they will put in that nation. So they would, not, they would not have the opportunity to rise up against that, uh, that kingdom that took them over, that took, oh, took, the, took, that took them. And then what happened was, uh, have you, are you familiar with this uh, phrase? So the last king, uh, I think uh, on the Bible reading, uh, there was a time when Nebuchadnezzar, when he destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, he took all the gold and brought them in Babylon. And then the last king, probably a grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, one night he thought of, well, we have a lot of gold uh, cups from uh, Jerusalem. Can you take them out from, the ha from uh, where they, they are now? And then we'll use it to drink wine and to be happy and uh, to be, uh, to just to celebrate. And then you've heard about the writing on the wall, right? This is the message. As they were having fun, celebrating, using God's uh, cups from the temple, there was a hand that was writing something on the wall. And this was the message. Mene mene take aloof our sin. Which means that you have been weighed and you have been found wanting. And your kingdom will be taken away from you tonight. And from that night, they were so drunk that they just fall where they are. And then these, uh, Syria, uh, this, uh, whom we call Darius the Mede, was planning an attack on them. They undermined the walls. They dig under the wall. Then they went on the other side. And then the soldiers, the Median soldiers, went into the kingdom. And what did they find? Soldiers lying down, drunk. So that's how they took the Babylonian Empire. And after two years, Darius the Mede gave this, uh, the, the empire, because it's a Medo-Persian empire. It's a mix of two uh, countries. Uh, the Cyrus the, uh, king of, became the king of Persia. And from our reading in Ezra chapter 1, we have seen how uh, Cyrus read about the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44. That uh, he was named by Isaiah about 150 years before he was even born. That Cyrus that God will raise a name, a, a, a king by the name of Cyrus that will be used as an instrument to bring back his people to Jerusalem. And Jeremiah's name was there, says to fulfill the prophecy that was 
uh, called by Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah told the Israelites, told Judah, that you will be captive, you will be held captive for 70 years. And some people, false prophets, will say, no, 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 no. That's not true. Two, three years max, and we will be back again. But the prophecy of Isaiah says 70 years. And then 500, uh, uh, 606 BC until 536 BC, if my math is correct, that's about 70 years. And this was the time when Cyrus proclaimed this law that he will lead, let the Israelites go back to their own country, to their own city, and rebuild the temple that was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. 70 years exactly. And they were not just given a, a, a way to go back. They were given funds. They were given funds to, uh, to go back to their country. And they were given the opportunity to rebuild their country. And mind us, all 12 tribes were represented on this trip. In chapter 2 of the book of Ezra, tells that of all the 12 tribes of Judah, of Israel, was represented, were represented on this, uh, on this specific uh, trip. So we cannot say, well, there are still, uh, because I know that there are some denominations that will say, well, there are still some 10 lost tribes somewhere that they needed to go back to Israel. There's nothing. When God promises something, it will happen. And that is one good thing about God. So we see here that uh, they were given the opportunity to go back. And then when they came to the to, the, to Jerusalem, what did they do? Now, this is an altar, by the way. They offered sacrifices to God. They gave what they, they gave thanks to God. They appreciate the opportunity to go back and rebuild the temple that was destroyed. They offered continual offering. Chapter, uh, Ezra chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Continual offering day and night. And then what they did was, well, after that, they started to say, well, we needed to work. Thanksgiving is done, and we needed to start working. They started working, and they started to collect the materials to rebuild the temple. Ezra chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. But as they are uh, going about these things, what happened was, sorry about that, enemies came in. First, they say, oh, what you have there? What do you have there? New neighbors. Haven't been here for 70 years. And then you came. Uh, where are your neighbors? Can we help you with that? And the, the elders say, no, no, no. We will do it. This is our job. We need to rebuild our own temple. And then when the, when the neighbors did not get what they want, they sent letters through counselors or lawyers to the king to stop the work, which they did. About 16 years stoppage. They found some loopholes to stop the work. And for 16 years, it was not doing, they were not doing anything because of this. But on, on the 16th year, they sent, 
they, there was a king that's named Dar Darius. Uh, some from the south of the states will, will call him Darius. But it's Darius or Darius, whatever your, cho your, your choice is. It's the same, the same man. And then he looked up at the, the, the books of uh, the law of, the, of uh, the Persians and found the declaration of Cyrus. Why are we stopping these people from rebuilding? Cyrus made the proclamation already. Rebuild the temple again. So four years passed and uh, in 515 BC, it was completed, 516, 515. And if my math is correct, once again, from 586, when the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, about 70 years when it was rebuilt. The thing is, after this, in Ezra chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, they dedicated the temple to God. It was not the same as before, but they rebuilt it. But what do I have? What lesson can we get from this? We need to apply these things to us now. The Israelites have been blessed by God many times. Many times they disown God sometimes. But they are still continually blessed by God. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote the brethren in Rome, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. These things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, for our understanding. Why, Paul? So that through patience, we can learn. We can know what God wants from us. We can understand. I love history. Because it is how we learn through history. One history that I have learned not ha did not happen to me, but to my brother. Well, you know, Jay. We were uh, in the Philippines, and uh, probably Jay was about four or five years old. And I know I have not experienced it, but you know those keys, metal keys? We like to play cars. So like uh, imitating, putting that into the ignition and cranking it. So he has a key, and he saw this wall socket, electrical socket. Oh, there's a hole. And he just put it in there. And it shocked him, literally. <laughs> so I learned that history, not, by myself, not for me, but I learned that you do not do that. And probably he did too. So we can learn a lot from history. And what is the thing that we can learn from what we have uh, uh, studied this morning from the book of Ezra? Is that how can I be blessed by God? See, being blessed by God is something that we need to understand. How can I be blessed by God? First is, you need to be in the right place where you can be blessed. Just like the Israelites, they can be blessed when they are in Babylon. But God wanted them where they need to be. God wanted them in that place, in that land where he had for them in the first place. And that is the promised land. It's not called promised land for, for, for something. 
It is a promised land because God promised that land for them. They need to be there. So that God can start, restart, blessing them again. And that's the same thing with us. Like the Israelites, we are all before in a captivity. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We are captive of sins. We needed to be free from that. And God, because of our sins, Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2. God has hid his face from us. This is the result of sin. God would not even look at us because of our sins. But God has sent forth his son. Even though that is the attitude of God towards sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John chapter 3 and verse 16. We are called because of this by the gospel. What is the gospel? It says it is the power of God. Salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. And Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4. In verses 1 and 2 we told the Corinthians. I receive this and I am preaching this to you. That according to the scriptures. Christ died. Was buried. And was raised again from the dead. According to the scriptures. He sandwiched that gospel according to the scriptures. It, mean, it will, should mean something. And that is the gospel. And baptism puts us into the right place. Acts chapter 2. We have seen how the doors were opened for the church. The kingdom of God. 3,000 souls were baptized that time. And then the last verse of chapter 2, verse 47. What does that say? And the Lord added to the church. Why, Lord? Because I want you to be blessed. We need to be in the right place where we can be blessed. We will not be receiving spiritual blessings if you're not in the church. In the spiritual place where we need to be. One good example, illustration, is, you know Cornelius, right? Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, we are introduced to this character by the name of Cornelius. A centurion. The Italian fleet. He was a devout man, feared God. Not just him, but his family as well. Gave alms to the poor. Prayed to God. The problem is, all the prayers that he is telling God, an angel was, was sent to him. All these became a memorial. I was, I was preaching this. I have preached this lesson to my wife about three times already. So he knows. She knows. But I was preaching it. I was looking into a memorial. Hmm. What does that mean? And it goes back to the Old Testament again. History again. Remember in the Old Testament when they offered sacrifices to God? And if that smoke gets straight into heaven, well, God is receiving it. And you know how Cain and Abel, their sacrifice differs? One is not accepted. And it came to me. This is another sermon, but I will just touch on it. And it's a good way to think about how 
our offerings is received by God. It's just like a memorial. And all the times that Jews offered their sacrifices to God, they were all accepted. But the thing is, it's just like when we, for, for example, when, when I have a loan from a bank and I was not able to pay it completely, I pay interest to say that, well, okay, you wanted to pay it, but you need to pay the interest first. And that is how the Israelites are doing. They're only paying the interest of what they owe God because they will not be able to pay for it. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, what does it say? Bloods of bulls and goats cannot and will not erase your sins. They are just paying the interest. They needed Christ. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, what does that say? In the perfect time, God sent forth his son. God knows the timing. And God knows that you have the opportunity for us to be able to do that. And the message of the angel to Cornelius is that send for Peter. Why? Because she needed to be taught the right way. To be able to receive blessings from God. Peter was sent to him. What did Peter do? Preached Christ. And he was baptized. Not just him, but his family as well. The message was very clear to Cornelius. A good example of you need to be in the right place. We can do so much better in this life. But the question is, are you in the right place to receive the blessing? But it is not just that. We need to give offerings as well. If we are in that place, we need to thank God. We need to give prayers. We need to be... Uh, Thanking God for all the things that he has that given us. We need to continually pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? See, three things that, that prayers can do for us. Three things that we need to understand about prayer. Is that it, it shows our dependence on God. It shows our relationship with God. And it shows our closeness with God. How can I understand that? You've met my wife, right? A while ago. Evangeline. When we were about one or two years into our uh, marriage, she's doing something, and I know that she can do it, and she keeps asking me, can you help me? And when I'm doing something, and I know that I can do it, he will go behind me, she will go behind me and then say, do you need help? Do you want me to do something for you? I don't understand it before. I can do this. This is easy. And you can do that. That is easy. But as we grow into our marriage, she's just telling me, we need to be close. I know that you can do it. I want you to, I want you to know that I am here if you need me. And that is prayer to God. It is not, God knows what we need, right? But we still pray. Because we need to have that relationship with Him. We need to be close to Him. If we are in the right place, 
We need to have that relationship. Imagine a house with a wife and a husband, and they're not talking. That's, that's worse. That's not good. We need to have that relationship through speaking. God has spoken what we need to know. But we need to do our part. And this is how we speak to him. See, being thankful and giving our offerings are great things to do for God. But we need to work. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 6, what did they do? They, all, they are always giving thanks to God. But, what does it say? Ezra 3 and verse 6, But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. Offering done, we needed to work. We needed to start doing work. There is a time to thank God and ask God. But there is also a time to start doing the work of the church. See, just like, uh, I don't know if uh, any of you, probably some of you are working out. You know, lifting weights. Or just waiting. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I used to do that. I mean, lifting weights, not waiting. But... Before you do any workout, and in any work that, you're, that needs physical strength, what do you do first? You warm up. Because uh, that's what they say. You need to warm up before you do any work, but not too long. You just warm up for some time to, to start the muscle, to, to, to make the muscles alive, to wake them up. But there is a time that we need to prepare for this work. And how do I prepare for the work of the, of the Lord? See, we need to increase our knowledge. And how do we do that? Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to study. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have preaching. So that we can understand more of what do I need to do for the cause of Christ. This, uh, for us to increase our knowledge. We can always pray for faith. We can always pray for more knowledge. But God has provided that to us already. Just keep, to, we need to read it. What do they say in, in this world? One phrase that they always say, uh, ignorance of law excuses no one. That goes the same way spiritually. We need to look after those things that we need to understand. But how do I prepare? Second Timothy chapter 3, uh, 2 and verse 15. I am a workman. See, it says there, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. How? What do I do? How do I do that? Rightly dividing the word of truth. How can I rightly divide it if I don't even read it? We need to go to work. We need to study. Why? All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto every good work. I need the word of God so that I know what I need to do. We needed to be prepared also to be able to answer 
those who ask a reason for the hope that we are holding on. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. They ask us something about our faith. We need to be able to answer them. The work of the church, what is it? Preaching of the word, edification of the brethren, and also benevolence. How do I know what part do I need to do in these things? Read the word of God. Study the word of God. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own people. What kind of people? Zealous for good works. Do we have that fire for good works? I have seen it in this congregation. You have that fire. See? A good illustration is just like a simple illustration from our body. Our body. Imagine if our mouth would just not cooperate. I will be sad. I love to eat. Imagine your, the, spoon, the, the fork is ready to go in and then the mouth says, mm -mm, no, I don't want. Or if ever that our mouth uh, did its job, open the mouth and lets the food in, and then the stomach processed it, distributed the nutrients to other parts of the body, and the waste, and then our the waste uh, management system did not work. Imagine that. Those are simple illustrations. Those are simple uh, accounts of how even the smallest part is very important. That's the same way with the church. We cannot say, well, the church probably will, will even go without me. No, we needed you. You're part of the church. Without you, the church is not the church. Let us not think of ourselves as not needed in the church. Everyone is important. Why? Remember that death that Christ did? He offered his own body. It's also for you. You're important in the church. We need to understand that the work will continue. We cannot say, well, I have read the book from Genesis until the maps. No, I mean, until Revelation. But even the doctors now, even lawyers, they continually read, right? To update. And with the world now, with technology now, we need to really update our ourselves. Concerning, well, how will God want for me to do this? Because our retirement is not here. We cannot say, well, I'm 80, I'm 75, I'm retired. Our retirement is beyond this life. See, we needed to be ready to work. Why? We needed to prepare ourselves. Why? This is for the next step, which is that the enemies will come. Sometimes they would like to help us, and sometimes they would rather stop us. They will try to make us believe that they will help us. Sometimes uh, 
I've been to places where neighbors are like that. They have something to offer you when, when, they, when you arrive in your home, when you just moved in. Oh, hi, neighbor. We have something for you. And these same neighbors are the one that will give you a hard time. Sometimes, there are times that neighbors will help you. But they will try to stop us from fulfilling our Christian duties. They will try to direct our attention somewhere else. That's the enemy. The devil. Sometimes the devil just wants us to be content with where we are now. I'm not doing anything more or less. The devil likes that. You're not helping the cause of Christ. You're good. Congregations fighting over one another for one another. That's good. They're not doing the work of Christ. I'm okay with that. That's how the devil works. It's not that everyone needs to do evil things. No. If you don't do anything, you're not doing good. That's, the de- that's what the devil wants. And sometimes, as I have mentioned, even in the, in the church, sometimes they have that. Where I used to... Well, I, I'm a, I was a minister in, in a congregation in the Philippines. And then there is one individual who is very unholy. Well, when I'm there, he's good. But when I am out into uh, go, going for a lectureship or a gospel meeting, and then there is a, 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 someone preaching and teaching the class, he will just like to take over the class. He will ask questions that only him knows. And even if they pinpoint the correct answer, he will do something else. He was just very unruly. He was just very unruly. And he would like to do it his, his, his own way. And sad to say, we had to, we had to uh, do something about him. Because he's disrupting the congregation there. We had to discipline him. And that is sad sometimes. But the devil will do everything in its power to stop us. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, the first part, we know the second, the, the last part, that we need to be faithful unto death to receive the crown of life. But the first part of that says there, fear, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Why? Because indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. The devil will do something to you that will make your heart, life very hard. And that is why we need to be sober. How do, I need, how do I be sober? I need to know the word of God. I need to know situations so that I can understand how to act in these situations. Why do I need to be sober? First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. What does Peter say? Number one, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is very crafty. We need to know what we needed to do in times like this. I need to know my enemies. Sometimes it's me that's my enemy. Remember when Christ, when he was preaching here on earth, says that no one can pluck them out of my Father's 
house. Nobody can take away anyone from the church. That is true. Why? Because only I can take myself away from God. Sometimes we are our own enemy. I stop working. I stop praying. I stop communicating with brethren. We need to understand these. Number five, we need to complete the work. See, the Israelites were able to complete the rebuilding of the temple. The completion of our work is not the same. It is when we complete our journey here on earth. It's not here. But the destination of our life beyond this life depends on what we do in this life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. One day we will face Christ and we will give an answer to everything that we have done in our body, whether it be good or whether it be bad. We will answer what we have one day. The good thing is, as we do our part here, we are laying treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20. That is how we prepare for our retirement beyond this life. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. This, is, this should be what we can declare at the end of our lives. As the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What a wonderful statement. I can be rest assured that I have completed my work. Almost everyone seeking the blessings that come from God. Everyone. But God will only give those blessings to those who are obedient to his commandments. He is the one that adds us into the church. Acts 2.47. Upon our obedience to his will. And we need to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul. If we will picture the Apostle Paul writing this. He is on his knees. Telling the brethren in Rome, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. But secondly, in, in, in verse 2, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why, Paul? So that you can know that perfect will of God. We have that hymn. We need to be on a higher plane. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still pressing as I onward go. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. If we are still living as the world thinks, we will not be able to look at what God wants for me. We need to be higher than that. Just like I did with my wife. And I need to think higher. It's not that, well, I can do this. No. She needs something from me. And I need something from her. God needs something from us. We need it to work. First Corinthians chapter 15 and 58. Therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. The word abounding 
picture a, a glass underneath a sink. Open that sink, put the water there, and it's overflowing. That's abounding. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because your labor will not be in vain. There will be instances or situations where people will try to stop us. But we need to continue. To some, it will take less than 20 years to receive there. To, to say that, well, I have done my work. But to some, it will be more than that. But we need to be faithful unto death so that we can receive the crown of life. And it will be a great sight to behold that the Lord will receive us upon our completion of our life's work here on earth. I wanted to hear that from the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the joy of the Lord. Thank you.